below. It is Bring It In with me, Gerard Hector, and Henry Abbott. How are you, sir? Great to be here. <laughs> and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? I'm impressed that Henry is starting to uh, realize that the uh, he can handle the weight of not shaving. <laughs> well, David, as you know, Henry is a serious writer. Serious writers must have goatees. That's like the it's in the writer's handbook. You have to kind of stroke your chin <laughs> as you're pondering the prose, you know? Like, <laughs> otherwise, it's just the book's gonna suck. That's, That's just how it is. Like, I gotta write a good book. I'm, I'm betting the farm on this book. You know what I mean? Like. Trying to do everything I can. Indeed, you are writing a book, so thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule to, to chat with us today. Yeah. Well, just to be clear, I wasn't going to be here. Uh, well, David wasn't going to be here because well, he had jury duty. I was just going to say, David. And then I was emergency <laughs> filling, but then I got so excited about the show that even after I was not necessary for the show, I kind of forced my way in. So thanks for having me. <laughs> Guys, it's just like when we're in school, you know? It's like, ah, uh, should I go do my homework and study all library? I should, but I want to play with my friends. It's way more fun. Yeah, it is like that. <laughs> David, anything you want to say about jury duty? Or we want to help you? <laughs> no, I'll be there soon enough. I reschedule. Can I tell a little David story about jury duty? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I've rescheduled it. I cannot oh, wait. I cannot wait. <laughs> I've already got the date. I've confirmed That's it with the son of a uh, lawyer talking right there. He doesn't want to get in trouble for his, some of his uh, coaching Listen. strategies. He was using pl pl plausible <laughs> deniability, and right, David. That's a very important phrase. I don't know what you're talking. about. I've known David for 500 years. This is the first time I've seen him blush. It's called sun. It's called <laughs> we have a lot of well, well, folks, we will be talking about um, democracy a little bit later in the show. Uh, funny that you mentioned sun, Henry. Really quick, a little weather thing. So you know, up here we 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 got the ends of rain of, of the hurricane up here for the last four days. Isn't it so crazy how when it rains for four days, like somewhere in your mind you think, is it ever going to be sunny again? And then today, super sunny, moods up, everybody's happy. It's nice outside. It's so bizarre how that happens. It's a perfect little mental hack, right? It's just like, <laughs> give them rain for a few days, and they're just going to love a sunny morning. Like, yes. I was so excited. Yeah, just like, yeah. That's exactly how it goes. All right, guys. Um, the NBA world is drunk right now, and they are drunk off of the excitement that was and is Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson. Uh, Victor plays for the Metropolitan 92s. Um, they are the a team from the top uh, French basketball league. And they came over here, um, they're here this week playing in, in Las Vegas against the NBA's G League Ignite team, which features Scoot Henderson, um, who is also a very exciting young prospect. I mean, if you, so I watched the whole game and I was looking at Twitter and my God, it was just people literally, you know, pooping their pants with excitement, predicting 20 combined all NBAs, multiple MVPs. I'm like, oh my goodness, people, slow down. I think here's the thing. Oftentimes, these hyped matchups don't live up to the expectation, right? For whatever reason, things just happen. But this one sort of did, right? Victor's team was down big 20 points in the first half. Like, he brought them all the way back. They actually took the lead in the fourth, I want to say, right? He's shooting three, seven of 11 from downtown. Scoot's attacking. Their, I mean, everything just looked amazing. And if you just turn on the box score at the end of the game, like a lot of fans do, you're like, oh my God, these two guys are amazing. Look what they did. There were a lot of things I liked from them uh main thing being both of their competitive levels right they both seem to want to compete really hard and want to win which that's a good thing um but i know that 
you all have thoughts. Henry, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to leave, leave the silver thoughts from Coach Thorpe for last. Um, I didn't know much about Scoot Henderson. So then after the game, I watched a bunch of other Scoot Henderson, like just the YouTube rabbit hole of Scoot Henderson. And um, there's this there are plays from last year on Julie Ignite when um, he's just doing the same stuff that you saw, but somehow didn't hit my radar. And the commentator is just yelling like, he's 17! He's 17! <laughs> As he's like... Um, I don't know who the right comparison is, but he's one, you know, he's a, he's a not super tall guard who has like an amazing handle and ability to attack mm-hmm. the rim in the mold mm-hmm. of, you know, John Morant or whatever. Mm-hmm. like, you know, but it's super fun to watch, like super, and he can shoot. Um, mm-hmm. and he seems like he plays D too. At least like he's, mm-hmm. I mean, you're saying David's views on this, but, um, yeah. So I, before I even saw the game, actually, I had already talked to David who basically was like, it's up for grabs. Who would be the number one pick? Mm-hmm. Um, is that what you think, David? Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's a. I mean, yeah. most people that, think well, it's a victor year, right? Yeah, so this is a big. Well, I think I think that uh, injuries are an issue when you you know Chet Chet getting hurt this year did it didn't help Victor's cause. Uh, I listened to some people the other day talking about how rarely we've got seven footers that really just last a long time. Rudy Rudy's one of them, which is good for Victor. Actually, mm-hmm. great, uh, mm-hmm. Kareem, but but it's a short list. And so I think there's going to be some GMs who are a little bit worried about that. We'll see how this whole year goes. If he plays healthy all year, you know, that'll help Victor's cause. Um, I also, how, you know, if you want to look at big picture guys, you have to look at, okay, who can they be? Uh, what is their best version of themselves? And also, what are they willing to accept? There's a, there's, there's a lot of NBA players, in my opinion, who've never reached their, their, their highest potential because they always thought they were different than who we thought they should be. When I say we mean their coaches, not me personally. And, um, and so they get in their own way. Uh, uh, Julius Randle was a super skilled guy like Lamar Odom was. And I always thought Lamar never really embraced the best player he could be. He wanted to try to be the best player of all time. And that just wasn't going to be his thing. Uh, there's so many guys like that. DeAndre Ayton's um, kind of gone through this, right? Or, uh, Right, yeah, he was like trying sure. to do a whole yeah. bunch of stuff, yeah. and now doing less stuff, he's better. Like yeah. when you scaled down, he was better. There's James a lot, you know, that's yeah. the common cause. Um, when I see Victor, I see uh, two different kind of things. First of all, the the low hanging fruit is he's Rudy Gobert meets Duncan Robinson. Mm. Guys, that's that's an MVP <laughs> level player if you play the system the right way. Uh, the way your MVP of that is you're scoring 25 a game because you're making six, seven threes because you got a little Steph Curry mixed in. He's a gorgeous shooter and he's a foot taller than Steph. And so if you can really get him involved in lots of actions, uh, boy, your offense can be great because they're going to be so extended like it is guarding Curry, except that seven foot four, it's almost impossible to contest. And if you do want to contest, you are risking fouling him in a way that we've never seen before in the history of this game. That's why I think you got to be and play more like Duncan and not just space and catch and shoot, but let him run off single double action. Let him run uh, uh, curls and fades. I think he's got all that in his game. Uh, and then he could be Rudy Gobert on defense. So that, that may not be the most likely MVP level player, but if his team is one of the top three teams and he's scoring 20 something a game, which he could because of that shooting. And I even talk about rim running. He's allowed to be a pick sure. and roll player. Transition, like there's lots of things. But I haven't even and then and then the defensive domination. But you'll notice I didn't even talk about being a primary right. ball handler. 
I don't think he's got to be expert at that to be an MVP level player, but he might want that. And that's where I think you might have a problem because I don't think there's Kevin Durant is one of one. And I don't know that we'll ever see in our lifetime another one like him. But if he wants to be Kevin Durant and isn't embracing the other stuff because he wants the Boston's all the time, I don't think he's going to quite be the player that he can be. So someone's got to sell that to him. John Cheney always says, as a coach, are they, are they buying what mm. you're selling? Mm. He needs to have a coach really selling what I'm describing because it's so tall. Like, people are going crazy about the one ISO bucket he made first play of the game. He did it against Matt Bonner's little brother. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to be critical, but that guy is not who I'd have guarding Victor. I'd, I'd, tell, I'd have scoot on him right. the whole game. And then good luck dribbling against right. that pit bull. Because that's how you guard him from the perimeter. You switch off when he starts moving inside. So if he, if he thinks he can beat everyone off the dribble, be that guy, that doesn't mean you can't do some pick and roll to them. Jokic does. And that's the other uh, aspect. I said this to Henry. Can he learn to be a Jokic kind of player? I think, yeah. I mean, think meaning what? And a better, meaning you, can, you don't have to just feature him as a primary ball player from the perimeter. Uh, you can run pinch post action with him. You can make him the fulcrum. He can't pass the ball like Jokic. Nobody can, but Jokic couldn't pass like Jokic when he was 19 either. He was also a very different body. So I'd like to see them experiment in different ways with him as a primary ball handler, non-dribbler. Mm-hmm. I think the dribbling is where I think he can get – it's easier yep. to guard yep. him that way. And then I think he can be an MVP-level player. Uh, Scoot is – John meets but can we Kyrie. pause on Victor for a second? Yeah, let's pause on Victor. Yeah, so if yeah, you're, yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I really like about what you're proposing is if he's Duncan Robinson on offense, then he can successfully play with a superstar. Correct. Which for is sure. not the case if he wants to be Kevin Durant. Yeah, right? Like now we got to fight over the ball, which is like, a, I think right. it's more valuable right. that way. I, in a way. I, I absolutely, you, you don't, and you don't have to have Kyrie uh, or uh, to be a great point guard with right. him. He's such a, a, you know, you got to come up with an offense the way Steve Kerr did to best take advantage. The Cuisinart was built because of Curry's abilities. Uh, you can run that Cuisinart with other players. It just won't be as good. It'll be good, but Curry changes everything. Whereas if you try to run D'Antoni's five out, give the ball to Curry and let him do his thing, that offense wouldn't be as good. It's not the best way to use Curry. You've got to come up with something innovative for Victor, and I think, I think you absolutely can. And then he, he's really uh, – that what he does defensively, guys, I, I can't stress that enough, is it, huge. He's such <clears throat> so a huge So I actually want to go there. Um, well, really quick on, on the shooting before we go to the defense. So that 7 of 11, that wasn't an, 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 an aberration. You think, like, he's, he's, a, he's a very good shooter. Like, he could be a 38, I 30, mean, 39% he, three-point shooter. My first thought was Clay Thompson. Whoop, watching the shoot. Like, just <laughs> beautiful, syrupy, okay. smooth, as pretty uh, compact movement in a 7-4 body. Or whatever it is, eight foot yeah, wingspan. Eight, eight what does he have? Which is eight, I mean, what are we it's talking about? Velociraptor. Yeah. Like, what no. are we talking about here? He he uh, he moves. Uh, he well. moves effortlessly. Yeah, I don't know that he's super quick. I don't, I don't think, think he that is. he is super quick, and I don't think he ever will be. Who cares? <laughs> what 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 quickness competition is Jokic winning? <laughs> he's the best player in the world. He's the best player in the world. He so, blocked him. I mean, um, Scoot was like, ooh, watch me take it to Victor. And Victor was like, I mean, I think he blocked him four, at least three times. At least three he, times. He blocked him two or three times and, and Scoot scored yeah, some. For sure. For sure. 
Uh, uh, yeah, to, to Scoot's great credit, because it's not easy to score against that really tall, long dude. But uh, uh, yeah, Victor, he really he has that chance to be super, super special if he's willing to not try to be Durant. David, he, the five blocks is going to get everybody's attention, right? Especially the block and the jumpers and all that. To me, it seemed like a few times he got a little lost in pick and roll defense. What do you think about his defensive abilities? Okay, so to be fair, I think, honestly, well, there's two, you asked me a different question where I thought, I, I don't give a fuck what he did in this game. He, it's like asking a really brilliant math student who's 12 about a calculus question. Like, he ain't ready for calculus. Like, this guy's playing professional basketball, but the NBA is a very, very, very different level. Um, I, I think he's competitive. He That's okay. all I care about. We, we, give, given the obvious stuff of his size and length and all that, that dude seems really competitive to me. And th- there won't be any problems whatsoever. You, you may not, he may not be switchable. He might be switchable. I don't know yet. Who cares? Like, you're going to have lots of different things to do with that dude. Um, the question is, his, how would his mm-hmm. body handle, you know, an 82-game mm-hmm. season or a 60-game season in his case? Or whatever it's going to be. Well, I can't. I'm not a doctor. I can't answer those questions. I'd be curious. What say, we know someone he should go take a visit to. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me actually. So I had, I did watch this game through these P3 eyes, right? I'm, I'm writing a book and it's all the sports sciences in my head. And um, David's yeah. point and my knowledge of P3, I've merged on this particular topic where it's like, okay, if you want to be Duncan Robinson, the tax on your body is something right you gotta you gotta that's a hard job it is a demanding job right you gotta run around off yeah. screens and stuff mm-hmm. but if you want to be kevin yep. durant it's a very demanding athletic job right so what mm-hmm. you want to, one yeah. of the little things is you want to put your leg very far out from your body and explode off it right so like i'm looking kevin Durant's looking at a defender he wants to like step to the side and then beat the guy to the rim um Right. That's taxing your long limbs in a crazy way and in a measurable way, right? This is the kind of stuff like they'll do a test at P3 called the um, skater test. It's not the only place to do it, but basically like, you know, you're going to stand on a force plate and you're going to explode sideways, right? And then left. And they're going to know how fast Victor is going laterally compared to most of the rest of the league. And you're going to have a sense right then if he's switchable on defense and if he can get around people with the ball, right? Preparing his body for that task is a gargantuan thing, right? And leads him to much more, you know, Chet went through it. Chet was at P3 all summer, like going through, you know, this kind of stuff. Um, Very, very big challenge, right? It's not the same as what you would do with Duncan Robinson, right? Like he doesn't have to move his body in so many different planes simultaneously to, you know, run off a screen and catch a shoot. It's still really demanding, but I feel like in a way, like you might be setting yourself, I mean, Experts who aren't me should do the assessment of Victor's body and and sort of I think you want to make the best version of Victor, mm-hmm. starting with where he is, yeah. mm-hmm. rather than trying to create a monster, right? Like rather than try to manufacture something. Correct. And and I think yeah. as David said, the important piece is the excitement comes from all the different ways in which you can you can potentially deploy him, right? And it takes yeah. the smart, innovative coach. Uh, franchise with the right, right? All those things in place that like, instead of being like, let's try to fit square peg into round hole or let's turn him into Kevin Durant or no, no, no. Like here's the things he already does really well. Let's fit this around him, right? Creating the Cuisinart offense around Curry. That's the best way to make him the best version and make us the best version of ourselves. How many instances like that exist in the NBA? Not many, but yeah. we'll see. 
Yeah, good. I mean, everybody's got flaws. Bad teams see the flaws in players, and good teams see the strengths in their players, right? Um, yeah. There's one other thing about him, which is, um, all right, so a little funny thing that I've learned from Marcus Sally and P3 is what they call computer back, right? I have it. We all have it. Everyone has a laptop where you're kind of a little hunched forward, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not good. It, it's <laughs> um, it's not good for like, your own personal postural health reasons, but it's also bad for being explosively athletic, right? And I, I'm not diagnosing Victor from afar, but he's a little like, you know, it was very rare to find someone his age before phones and computers who had their mm -hmm. upper body a little hunched over, right? But yeah. nowadays you can see even at P3, people finish the workout and they're trying to get their posture perfect. And then they walk over here and they sit down over their phone and they like crouch forward. And you're like, oh my God, buddy, your thoracic spine is like, <laughs> you know, not good, right? Yeah, and yeah. it is, you know, they test a lot of stuff there that doesn't prove to matter to how you play, right? There's a lot of red herrings in all the data, but this one is not a red herring. Like you want to jump higher, run faster, be more explosive. Like this one actually matters and they can fix it. And, but Victor looked a little, as do a lot of tall people, right? Mm -hmm. But I was like, man, he's a little... Like it's a, it's just a, it's a little, you know, it, I just, I'm saying this because I know that Chet Holmgren was the victor of last year mm -hmm. and has now gone down with injury. And I know right. that the league's getting attuned to this kind of stuff. Like, mm -hmm. this is one, like, you know, it's a little, it's a little thing to keep it an is. eye on because some mean, teams will care. That's a lot of limbs to fold into like, a, right? It's just a lot of things. Arm, it's, yeah. it's all arms and legs everywhere. And it's, it's a lot to kind of get that thing compact. Um, coach, let's transition to Scoot. Uh, first of all, what a great name! What a great name. <laughs> oh, oh, he, he oh, he definitely scoots. <laughs> it's, it's not an it's not an ironic name at all. <laughs> he for sure scoots. Um, again, you said what you loved about Victor was his competitiveness. Uh, I mean, I think Scoots got that. Scoots got that in spades yeah. too. Yeah. I know that he yeah. worked on his shooting and got better at shooting than he was the, the season prior. Um, I thought also that he showed some playmaking that he hasn't shown in the past. Uh, what what did you think of Scoots' game? Yeah, he was like a Russell Westwick, John Morant meets uh, Kyrie. Just super skilled, but also very athletic, super athletic. Very quick, very explosive jumping-wise, uh, but also manages changing speeds pretty well, I thought. Um, I don't, You know, the playmaking to me, guys who typically playmake at a young age can't score. So I never worry about that. They, you, you can learn to playmake much better than you can to score. And uh, he can score. Uh, Mid-range looked great. Finishing at the rim to like that's why I say Kyrie crafty with the ball and the reverses and the angles that's Kyrie like um, I mean Ky good Kyrie not crazy <laughs> Kyrie that we're watching just really talented Kyrie um, loved I love that he wants it like up mm -hmm. for the challenge How, is he what six two how six tall is he three maybe I thought yeah. is he I thought six two six three so little um, for the league but uh, it seems. Spectacular yeah. to me. Yeah, I haven't. I've only watched right. this one game. I need to watch some more. But uh, I was pretty. They play again this afternoon, uh, three o'clock. So I, I think that game to me is going to be interesting. All right, we had all the hype from day one. A couple days later, what do y'all both look like day two? Is yeah, it on TV? ESPN two, I think. Let's go. There's a game at noon. Well, we're taping early. It's game noon today. Yeah, to watch too. Yeah. No, nice. it, it again. I just think from the. It's always nice when basketball fans like get excited, and I, it was nice to see because you know Twitter is an awful place that there was so much agreement on. Whoa, these guys look so great, and everybody having a good time. So it's always nice when we have those moments. Listen, there there are so many incredible players. Uh, Zion hasn't played a full season yet, <laughs> and he's as fun to watch as anybody. Like we got, we got a lot of good. Dude, players what level of basketball is this? Like if 
if the G League Ignite team play in Europe, or if the what's Vickers team called the Metropolitan Ninety Twos? <laughs> the Metropolitan Ninety Twos played in the G League. Like, like you know how how good are these teams? Yeah, not, not very, very good. good. Yeah, because they're not they're talented. I, you know, the G League, which has become the second most talented league in the world, uh, in terms of just potential, it really is that good. It isn't, you know, none of these G League teams would do anything good in Spain, probably Germany, even France, Italy, the EuroLeague, mm-hmm. obviously. They're just not smart enough. This is such a cerebral game. Uh, when when I'm watch, I watched some games last night, the, the intellect and the athleticism is what makes the – that combination what separates the NBA from everything else. And these guys just don't have the intellect yet. They're too young. Um, I won't go into details now, but but Travis is working on this. Well, he published one, the, ch- the chess mm-hmm. piece about the grandmasters have just seen so many um, uh, plays, in a sense, right? That the speed chess guy is one thing, great feel, pattern recognition. The grandmasters just have seen it all and remember it all. Well, that's why LeBron, LeBron and Chris Paul are grandmasters who can still move. Right? Henry and I were talking today about Rasheed Wallace when he really figured the game out, he used to know the body for it anymore. Well, that's everybody to a sense. Chris Paul and LeBron can still move really high level stuff. It's quite amazing. Well, these guys are not, they're the opposite of grandmasters. They're just learning. Okay. A Bishop goes diagonal. <laughs> Here's what the Rook can do. It takes yeah. some time. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so, but athletically, like if you have a, if you, if you have a dumb team you're playing against that they'll kick your ass. They're so athletic and, and they play so hard. Energy is great. But they can't think the game yet. Uh, Scoot, Scoot shows a little bit of that, like a little more advanced. I don't worry at all about him uh, or Victor for that matter. They're, they're going to have a lot of reps. And they're advantaged by playing these kinds of games. It really does make a difference when you just, just again, think about the Grandmaster. The more games they play, especially against experts, the better their learning curve is. Well, that's what these guys are mm-hmm. getting. It's why, it's why the G League Ignite is a, is a good option for mm-hmm. some people is you're playing against better players than college kids, that's for sure. So it does increase their, their activity brain-wise that way. Well, one of the things you often say, Coach, is pros read the game, non-pros play the game, right? So you, we saw a lot of playing the game, right? And not a whole lot of reading. The, but, you yeah. know, they'll learn to read as they, as, as they get older. Yeah, uh, for sure. The more they play, especially if they value it. You know, that's why coaching matters so much. And we'll get to coaching later when we talk about Who's going to win a championship or who's not going to win? <laughs> I do think yeah. coaching makes a big difference. Yeah. All right. So we we, we started the show talking about Victor Wembanyama, who we believe is seven foot four with an eight foot wingspan, which is, I mean, that's just I like, think so. That's, I mean, whatever. That's He's an alien. <laughs> that's not. Gerard, the, there's a picture of him and like yeah. Chet and a few other guys. He, he makes those yeah, guys look little. It, he's, you know, as, as, as a, a buddy of mine, college coach says, the NBA is, is, they're a mutant league. Those guys are velociraptors. Like they're just not, their body limbs don't make any sense. We all know my basketball love language is tall dudes who can shoot. So, obviously, I'm into Victor. <laughs> um, but we are approaching a point, guys, where the league is seemingly every this new crop that's coming in, just six foot ten and taller dudes who have these guard-like skills. Um, are we? How how far away are we from a starting five of six foot ten and taller where everybody could do everything? And we get rid of the small man. I'm not serious. I don't want to get rid of the small man. 
But... Tallest guy in this podcast would count as a small man. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's us. You're exactly. banning us, Gerard. Yes, I'm, I'm banning us from the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, well, uh, really fast. There just aren't very many people. Like, I think there just yeah. aren't, like, you know, there you, like, like, you know, very roughly speaking, we used to have a world where the skilled players were smaller and mm-hmm. the unskilled players were bigger, right? And, you know, there were exceptions, of course, but that's kind of how it went. And so if you were someone who could really, you know, dribble with both hands and shoot or whatever, then you were probably 6'3", right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the exceptions were all-stars. Um, I think, and, and you know, and, and, and part of that's because the the 6'3 player is the best of a million people trying out for that job, and the 7'0 mm-hmm. player is the, is the best of 10. Yeah. Right? And so I think that's that math is never going to change. The yeah. only thing that's changing is, like, Shaquille O'Neal used to say he wanted to play point guard and could, and right. no one let him. But now we're letting so now he actually gets to <laughs> prove it or not, right? And that is emerging to some very exciting results, right? Yeah. Um, but my hunch is that the most skilled players will. I mean, John Morant's not getting fired. He's just no. not <laughs> no, he's not right. And 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 not just John Morant, but I was watching the Raptors last night. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. is hard yeah, to guard. He is. So those he's two players will be left. Quick, he's quick. Like, <laughs> John Morant. Right. Yeah. That's it. Everybody <laughs> else is out of here. <laughs> the the challenge will be on the defensive mm-hmm. side. So those guys, the guards are going to start leaving the game if they can't keep up defensively. You've got to. So you've got to find a way to make an impact on defense. Uh, there's too many. You know, Luca will yeah. be the typical size of the guard if we're not careful. So so so, John Morant, like, don't stop playing defense or actually start playing better defense because he could play better defense. Stop jumping around everywhere and hurt yourself. We don't want that. But you got you to gotta find ways to make a difference defensively. And the coaches have to scheme that up uh, because as long as they can do that, they're going to be hard to go out on offense. They're just so quick. Because um, Luca's what, 6'7"? Yeah. So I, I was thinking, imagine a Luca Penny Hardaway backcourt, both 6'7", right? Handle all that. Yeah. So, oh, well, I'm sure a lot of GMs are imagining <laughs> that. Yeah. So you, so you, Seriously. so you got height problems right there, right? If you're a small dude, six twos or whatever. Yeah. Then your front line is like uh, KD Giannis. Well, that's six ten, seven foot. Like, all right, I got problems. And then your center's like Jokic or Embiid. I mean, that just seems like man. If you're small, guard. I mean, the Raptors are trying this, problem. right? The Raptors are yeah. trying to put this together uh, as yeah. other teams, but at the same time, like. This is exactly the same as the like talent versus fit debate in the draft. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like if you're not taking the best available player, then somebody else is taking that player and they're yeah. gonna beat you, right? And like, yeah. and so yeah, you can get your you you put together that team, Gerard. You do that, and we're gonna come with like just wizards with the ball, right? Like we're gonna have like some big players. Yeah, well, speed speed is I always say quickness is is as much a force as anything. Because uh, it's an equalizer for size. Yeah. So Luca, you think Luca wants to chase Definitely around John not. Morant? What if John could really <laughs> shoot the three? Hell no. Scoop? Yeah. No, no. They don't like Steph Curry, no. And David, like those are game. Luca sucks on D, right? <laughs> and does. think about yeah. your prescription for guarding like Dirk or Victor Bamaniana, right? Is really with a very small guy. Small guy mm-hmm. Right? Like yeah. that seems like there's yeah. gonna be some jobs yeah. for those Cut people. Up. In fact, I was talking to a very high level, uh, well, that was in the NBA, was a college player, a uh, big tall guard, and we having dinner together this summer. And I asked him who gave him the biggest trouble when he was a college player. 
And uh, he named a very, very good pit bull defender who's in the NBA also, lottery pick. I said, yeah, of course, because he wouldn't let you dribble. He's mm-hmm. too quick. Because this big kid is a point guard, but he's not super quick. He's, and he looked at me like, yeah, like, how did you know that? And I, and I could read his eyes. And I said, well, of course, they, they don't let you go where you want to go. They're too quick. You start questioning yourself. He's like, yeah. By the end of the game, I just stopped dribbling. I said, exactly. And this guy's an elite point guard. Uh, that's what you. That's why. But that's why I say Scoot should have guarded Victor. The G, the G League the G League guy coach didn't think about it. He tried to match up size for size. How do you match up seven four? <laughs> Six ten right. ain't doing it. You might as well put someone that can really cut off his dribble. He might beat you sometimes, but he's internal. This is a really important point. That if Victor wants to be Durant, what made Durant special is he could shake and bake you off the dribble at seven feet tall. And you could rarely get him to turn the ball over doing it. He was not in a rush. He picked his spots. And that is just very, very hard to find. If you can get Victor, he, I bet he can shake and make scoot some. He's got a little shit to his game, as we like to say. But he might have seven turnovers, sorry, you say, And now your confidence goes down. What was the word? <laughs> might have some stuff to his game. Yeah. I mean, I thought you were going to say wiggle. Yeah. That's why you got a little bounce to his game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, so this, this that thing too. that we've dedicated our lives to studying, like at its peak, <laughs> the insider term for shit. like the finest skill. Shit. Is shit. Yeah. Is shit. that well, what's happening yeah, at Harvard Medical that School? Is that what they like, the top surgeon? <laughs> yeah. Is this how that's going? Probably I would have no idea. idea. Like, that guy's got some shit to his Well, game. you know when you're 7'4", right? Yeah. And you, you have that, high, that, that size advantage. Don't turn yourself into a six foot six guy by bringing the ball down low, right? Don't, keep it up where they can't yeah. get it. Catch, shoot that thing. Don't dribble because they're going to take it. Right. Like. Well, there's a reason Kyle Lowry's plus minus was, has, was so good in his peak, right? Like, it's, he's very difficult in that situation, right? Like, yeah. he's he's not going to give you anything. Who was no. it who went under Durant's legs? Chris Paul. Um, was that Chris Paul? Chris Paul. Yeah, yeah. There you, you go. You asked Durant. You asked Durant. Really? Who is it? Chris Paul? Because first of all, Chris is like annoying, just in oh, general, yeah. and he's like he's like a rock, and it's like motherfucker, like why are you? And it's like, well, Kevin, stop dribbling around him. Just hold it up because he can't get it, and just shoot it. That's yeah. the portrait of what Davis talking well, about right there. If there's a man yeah. Listen, in your privates, he's making it difficult for you to dribble. Very difficult. It's what remember I it's what I asked years ago, many years ago. I asked Scotty Scotty Brooks when he was coaching the Kings. I um I, I he was talking about Kevin Martin, who you know, my my player Kevin Martin. And I said, How would you have done against him? And he said, Oh, he had to kill me. I said, Why? You lasted 10 years. What was your secret? He said, my secret was everyone kept trying to dribble against me, but I'm six foot, whatever, nothing. Like, that's what I needed them to do. He said, Kevin takes no extra dribbles. If he, he, he fights to get the spot he wants to get to, and he just shoots over him. I have no shot against those guys. But all these greedy motherfuckers kept, well, I could take this guy if the dribble is like, yeah, <laughs> let's go. He would attack them. And that's exactly what I've coached high school kids over the years. And there's a big guy that thinks he can handle it. I put my smallest guy on him. And and, you know, they always say elephants don't like mice, right? That's exactly what we would tell our high school kid. Like, to make him think about you where he's afraid to put his foot down, afraid to dribble it, that's what you got to do to get in their head a little bit. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's unnerving for those bigger guys. And they're so tall, the ball's going to travel yeah, yeah. a long way. They can't, cra- they can't crouch as low to, to dribble. It's just, no, you know. they, no, they can't, no. That, so, Victor against other seven-footers, I think, mm-hmm. would be pretty good. He's got some fakes he can... It looks like his um, stopping and start abilities are pretty good for a young guy. I'm sure that could be developed a lot more by people like Marcus. So 
That will be hard for Rudy the guard. Yeah. And the better you get at it offensively, it, the better you can probably defend it as well. So now you can scale down a, a position and guard it. Maybe he can guard force, maybe some threes. Probably that's about it. Um, although Scoot, Scoot had that mm-hmm. step back and he made the three, but he didn't get it off by much. Yeah, Victor might in time be able to move a, a little bit up. Yeah, grow his nails down <laughs> a little bit or maybe guard him a little bit tighter and know that he'd be okay. That's going to, that to me, that's the most exciting thing about Victor is not his KD dribbling mm-hmm. ability. It's the three-point shooting yeah. and defensive stuff. That's where I think he can really be that the MVP of the league. Sweet, man. I was like, this guy, he, he looks good. Just and awkward. the shot blocking me. There were oh, times where I'm I mean, like, yeah, it develops. we've on. all seen these plays a million times. You're like, he's not getting that. It's like, ooh, he's getting that. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, because it's like, right, what takes them, what takes average height guys five steps to make takes him not even a step, right? I can just reach my arm over and get to it, right? There was that kind of broken play thing around the rim. I forget something messy happened, and then Mm -hmm. he's just like, oh, just, you know. Like, basically, (laughs) everything went wrong for him, and he just fixed it anyway. I'm like, oh, When When he's playing against those aged players, uh, I used to joke with my brother. We used to wonder, we had, when our kids were born the same, within a month of each other, and so we had three, his son and my twins, and we were like, what are they thinking about when they're like two months old? And he was always, they'd be like, huh? <laughs> like, they, don't, they can't even think. That's what it looked like when some of these guys got the shot like, huh? Like, what? I've taken this shot a million times and no one's ever blocked it. This guy blocked it with yeah, his man. elbow. It, it's crazy. <laughs> huh? You know, last thing on, on these guys before we get some NBA, more current NBA stuff. Henry, and this is kind of more of your, we got to make the court a little bigger, right? We if, these, we, if we have these massively big dudes. And I'm not even saying make it the size of a football field. I'm just saying, can we just stretch the sidelines a little bit more and then make Absolutely. the length a, just a little bit? All time. Just a little Every bit. Every time, you know, yes. But, you know, people who are worried about three-pointers being too big of a deal, like let's do away with the short corners. Yes, correct. Right? Like that, that's a little gift for those hosers. I don't even like those guys. But let's just give them all <laughs> something just to get the coalition built, right? Like um, – we're going to get more courtside seats. We've been through this before, but like, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a, it's a money win. Every mm-hmm. single arena in the NBA, I think now handles hockey, which means there's enough mm-hmm. room for all this. We don't have to mm-hmm. change anything. It's a very realistic proposal. The only thing stopping it is the owners are stuck in mud and they're thinking, right. It's just like too much change, but, um, but yeah. And you know, how many times a game do we have that stupid guy catches the ball on the sideline behind three point line, because that's where he has to be mm-hmm. to be a threat. Right. And then he takes a little step back and it's out of bounds. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he shouldn't do that. That's the training, David. You should fix that. But um, <laughs> David, <fix> but, <laughs> we do, we do, we call yeah, that a negative that. step. We do train that, yeah. But actually, but David, I'll tell you an interesting thing. I saw a study that um, it's not as harmful as we thought. Like there are studies of stealing bases. Yeah, I've re- I've read this. I've read this. Um, this isn't. Yeah, but it's harmful when you step out of bounds. bounds. <laughs> but it doesn't. It's not. I mean. I, I understood it to be that basically like I'm trying to get to the rim and I'm starting by taking a step back, which gets me further from the rim, which seems stupid. That's logical, but you're loading that back leg Mm -hmm. load, um, which actually does make you faster. Like a lot of the fastest base dealers do take the next step. But can't you, but can't you load without stepping backwards too? Not the same. It takes a, you have to get down to do it. It's not quite the same. Well, you're trying to put that force. It's like, it's like if you're, if you got a pail of water, right. And you want to throw it this way, you go back first. Same idea. Yeah. yeah. Same. I don't principle. really know the answer to your question. Maybe you can. Lo- maybe there's a way to load it at your side. I thought you could load it without it, but yeah, on the sideline you can't step out. But guys, before mm-hmm. we move on, Gerard, there's a lot of talk about 
Victor being the best prospect of all time, and Nets Daly or someone compared him to Lou Alcindor. Uh, folks, do you know who Lou Alcindor so, is? I hope I'm sure you do. I hope you know who Lou Alcindor is. Yeah. If you're listening <laughs> to this podcast, you know who Lou is. Uh uh, I, I watched one of his games against Rice, which is yes. a pretty famous school in, in mm-hmm. the Bronx, yep. maybe. Um, uh, come on, there's no comparison. First of all, Lou Alcindor, unbelievable. I mean, well, I'm telling you the most impressive thing of all was his passing. He was just phenomenal, but nobody dribbled the ball. I mean, you, you, I watched the game. There's almost no dribbling because right. nobody could dribble. When they did, it looked very ugly. Bob Cousy, <laughs> all right? He was every bit the athlete, if not way better athlete than Victor. Really extraordinary athlete. Everything was a dunk or a finger roll at the rim. He hadn't developed the sky hook yet. The, 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 there's no comparison in terms of prospect. And nobody had ever seen Lou Alcindor before. My son played against five, you know, six, ten and above guys in high school, including a, a teammate that was six, ten, six, eleven. Like that, that. Now, could Kareem, that Kareem have done great in this game? Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. This guy is a, he was a marvelous elite of elite mm-hmm. athlete at 17 years of age. And had he been going through the process at Victor's age, he probably would learn at least you a 15 yeah. footer, but he wasn't anything like what this guy can do. It's not David, just course. to be clear, this is a, it's an unfair social media driven world. I just want to make sure that we're understanding properly. It's the, the proper thing is David Thorpe colon Victor Womanyana sucks. That's what you're saying? <laughs> no, no, no. No, and I will say too, I won't I won't suggest that Victor can be better than Kareem. That that I mean Kareem's longevity I mean, is a big Kareem big might factor. be the greatest player of all time, right? We're we're asking for right, a lot right. of <laughs> right. As a as a prospect, very yeah. different in terms of skill and talent. But to try to assume he can have that kind of I mean, on, I wouldn't begin to it, go there. It, it, yeah. his, I mean, his high school career at Power Memorial alone, that, that was like Amazing. ridiculous. Yeah. Henry, imagine being around yeah. in those times and just going down to the West Fourth courts. Kareem would just, well, Lou then, would just be down there playing playing some ball on the West Fourth Street courts. That'd be a, that'd be a nice game to go play some pickup in. <laughs> I did walk by once and Guys, Mario Eldy was, was playing. He was an NBA player and he was just, yeah. you know, that little, it's like a little, oh, really? how long is that court? That's pretty like, cool. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's like, like literally, it's, like, yeah. it's not very long. You get out the subway, yeah. it's like literally right there, but it's uh, one yeah. of the famed courts uh, here in New York City. Um, speaking of players on courts, we're excited because some guys who've been out for a while are back. Ka- Kawhi Leonard, aka Kathai Leonard. Those thighs got huge, man. He's been he's been he's been doing some serious work in that offseason. Um, he's back. John Wall is back. Ben Simmons is back. We just have injured players, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, all these injured players returning. Zion, um, and Henry, you know, the word out of out of New Orleans is Zion's looking good. Everybody's excited. But, you know, we talked about this last week. Your favorite thing is the lies people tell on media days and at the beginning of training camp, which is everybody's so happy to be here. I put on 20 pounds of muscle, all of these amazing things. And we're like, all right, yeah, talk to me in like a week and a half. Let me let's let's see what the real story is. What yeah, you, 20 you... pounds of muscle was um like Lang Whitaker. I think his was 15 pounds of muscle. <laughs> Lang Whitaker was like a long time. He works for the Grizzlies now. He does. But, um, mm-hmm. He was a slam. He um. He basically had a photograph of like what 15 pounds of muscle from the grocery store looks like. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just an absurd pile of meat, right? Yeah, like absurd, absurd. Like, no, but and people maybe put on 15 pounds, I guess it could happen. But like, but the idea that you've just taken the body you had a year ago, put on 20 pounds of muscle and remain recognizable is like, that's what the, I had, I caught it in the Pistons uh, broadcast. It said Kate Cunningham's put on 20 pounds of muscle. It's like, okay, here we go. Every year there's like a bunch of this, like, 
<laughs> I guess it's, I don't know, David, do you think it's really possible to put on 20 pounds of muscle in the summer? Well, first of all, I know, I'm quite sure they're not measuring it that yeah. way. He put on 20 pounds and he got more right. muscle. It wasn't all muscle. That's right. not the same as putting 20. And also, right. if you put on right. seven pounds, isn't it yeah. better to say if you're on 20 pounds of muscle? That's, you know, like, isn't that yeah. Just, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm a big believer in not putting on the yeah. extra weight. I like, I like staying lean and strong getting stronger and staying lean. I think it's better for this sport and for life. Well, Nick Claxton, I think, was telling the truth. I asked him the other day. I was like, Nick, you're looking. He's like, yeah, I think I put like six, eight pounds. He didn't say muscle. He just said six, eight pounds. I was like, that's what Henry wants to hear. The truth. Not 20 pounds of muscle. Yeah. (laughs) Just say even lift the weights. You're fine. (laughs) (laughs) We just want the truth here. Um, Henry, you have been listening to Zion Williamson. And yes. you have a question. You want to know, is Zion a Willie Green guy? Yeah, this is a thought issue that just occurred to me watching his first game. So he, when he was on Old Man the Three with J.J. Reddick, which I think was the most interesting interview Zion's ever given. Um, <laughs> Obviously, he, yeah. J.J. got it. Yeah. Um, you know, he talked pretty openly about early in the NBA. He felt like he was kind of getting yelled at for anything. He did. There are lots of wrong things we're going to do on the court, right? Including how he handles injury and on and on. And it got to him. Um, I'm paraphrasing. You should listen to the show yourself, but he was very frank about this. Um, and then in his first preseason game back, I, you know, I just seemed very different from his little stretch when he was the best offensive player in the league where he was very ball dominant, right? He was a guy who was just mowing everybody down, just devouring defenders, making decisions on the fly. He's brilliant at this. Right. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that like, Oh, well, this is now he's the, the Pelicans built a different team. It was CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Lots of, you know, Jose Alvarado, all these fun things happening, and they lured him back, which was brilliant. And now he is back. But suddenly it occurred to me, I'm like, oh, he hasn't been part of this team. I wonder how they get along. He ditched Willie Green like no player has ditched anybody, right? Like, Willie Green became the coach, and Zion went to Portland, right? Like, so I'm just, I was just like, I wonder how it's going. Willie Green has been praised up and down as like a team builder, you know, reaching into people's hearts. I'm sure it's great. I have no reason to think it's not, but it just occurred to me, I saw Zion being kind of tentative and looking like a guy who wasn't fully empowered to do everything he ever wanted to do. And one game means nothing. It's probably true. But it just occurred to me, like, as this season unfolds, do we know his role? Does he know his role? Is he comfortable with his role? Is everybody on the same page? Like, it seems like something we're probably going to be talking about this year. I like that. David, I want your input here because you're a coach. Sometimes as coaches when we communicate with our players, we might raise our voice or yell to get a point across sometimes, but it's about level setting expectations and making sure that person understands and knows, well, this is what I expect of you. Right. And to me, it seems when you're doing that piece of it, yelling ain't the way to deliver that message. Now, if it's already been established, this is what it is, you know what it's supposed to be and you still keep fucking up. Well, maybe that's a different kind of tone of the conversation, but initially, right. I think it should be different. So, what uh, what do you think should be going on from a communication style from Willie to Zion? So first of all, we have heard, uh, you know, as you guys know, I have you know two very close friends on the Pelican staff, and uh, uh, most of what they tell me is always will stay in confidence. But they've raved about Willie as a as a communicator and as a team builder, like Henry said, and um, really like really impressive stuff they've said to me about what a uh, kind of his talent in that. And then Henry said earlier about Victor, the, um, the tax on your body to be a primary ball handler attacker is significant. And so to me, 
uh, and I'm, I, I deal with this a lot, actually, with, with high-level players. What is our goal? Our, our, okay, our individual goal is to be the best in the world. Zion, you're allowed to want that. He's that guy. Like, right now, it's Jokic, Giannis. But in five years, it might be Zion. If I told you he's shooting 40% from three and he's become an elite defender, which he absolutely could, he's the best player in the world. Okay. So that's a fair goal to have. But now how do we juxtapose that ambition with what our team is trying to do, which is win a championship? And so for that to happen, we need you to do less of X and more of Y and Z for your better for your body. Uh, Brandon Ingram, we can't expect to make a big shot in the fourth quarter when they triple team you if he hasn't touched the ball very much or CJ. Like this is all part of that. Uh, if you remember LeBron when he first got to Miami, the, the story that we were told and I don't remember if I was told privately and or also read about it. I just don't remember anymore. Was LeBron complaining as Spo coached him, saying, I've already won two MVPs playing this way. And Spo basically said, but no championships. And we're trying to win championships here. And won two and went to, went to what, mm-hmm. four, straight final, mm-hmm. five, four straight finals. Yeah. Um, I think that is the conversation that Willie and David Griffin and Trajan Langdon have to have with Zion is we want you to be the best player in the world. We're paying you to be, we're betting on the come and you've not given us a lot to believe in with your injuries, but we're okay with it. But we also want to win a championship for the city of New Orleans. And, and here's how we do it in our minds. The smartest thing would be to, to get him to chime in too. What do you see? What do you think? Here's what we think. Let's figure it out together. Um, and I, I think, most young guys are willing to listen when it's presented the right way. And Brandon Ingram is a great teammate. So mm-hmm. is CJ. So I think that will help also having that with those two guys, yeah. you know, to say, Hey, let's do this. And together. I think Willie, you know, Stan, as much as we love Stan, Stan's probably a bit of a yeller, right? So I'm sure that I'm yeah. sure that Willie, is that what you're referencing? <laughs> I, mean, I might. Is that what you're referencing? <laughs> yeah. It's, which, Stan is such a, I won't go into it, but he seems, I mean, with a little, I know of him, we're friends a little bit, a delightful yes, sure. human being. And like he's hosting fundraisers for Democratic candidates in Orlando. Wonderful pro democracy. We love it. Like, great. But like guy. on the yeah. basketball court, he seems Tough like a real for. screamer yeller every time you do something wrong. And it- or just a whiner <laughs> complainer. Yeah. Like his brother. Yeah, the two of them. A lot of, a lot of whining in the Van Gundy house. A lot of knowledge about basketball for sure. Um, I I love talking about, uh, teams and sacrificing and team building and, you know, um, preseason's happening. So Henry, you're watching the Knicks local, right? Jalen Brunson's here. Um, they paid him four, four years, a hundred million, a little more than that. Something, something that nature anyway, which means he's gonna have the ball a lot, right? Well, how do you think that's going to work out when you have a fourth year guy in RJ Barrett, who we think can be something, well, if he doesn't have the ball, what's that going to mean for him? What's that mean for Emmanuel quickly? What's that mean for Quentin Grimes? Like all these guys to David's point, right? Like if those guys want to do stuff for us, we need them to touch the ball more. Yeah. I was, I, I mean, maybe I'm the last guy to think about this, but I watched um, a little bit of that Knicks game and Jalen Brunson's doing exactly what they hired him to do. Right. He's, he's scoot, right. He's running around um, and uh, with the ball, but it just struck me that like, so he's, I mean, he goes way back with William Wesley. The way the back. Knicks, right. To his, the womb. Rick, Rick Brunson, who now also works for the Knicks, right, was um, one of Wes's first clients from the neighborhood, right? And um, so that's definitely a Wes guy in the Wes image. like this. And then going all in for Jalen Brunson and for agent market seemed like 
part of a program, right? And they're building a family and that's the plan. Manuel quickly went to college with Wes's son, right? Like he's also, you know, part of this vision of family, but I don't, they're two tiny guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the two tiny guys who need the ball and just struck me. I'm like, Ooh, I wonder like this protracted months of making sure we get the whole Brunson family here. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's fine. Maybe they've all talked it through and they all trust each other and script, but maybe it's, it, it does kind of mean a man is not going to be the starting point guard long-term, right? Like it does kind of mean that like, you know, maybe they can play together. I don't know. But um, it just struck me that that's a little, and you know, at the same time, RJ Barrett is this like super high potential guy who has kind of sniffed around his potential, but probably is about time for him to like do the thing, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to either ascend or not. And um, you know, maybe that's again, maybe those two fit together better, but you know, I, you would think RJ Barrett would want the ball a whole bunch, you know, um, and maybe he'll get it. But it just struck me a little bit like the Jalen Brunson move was aggressive. And it probably sends a little shiver down, you know, Julius Randle, all, all these guys who were like, oh, so I'm not the guy. Um, no, yeah, you're definitely not the guy. <laughs> <laughs> this is, but uh, this is the, the uh, this crisis faces every yeah. team. Every team. Every player wants more. They want to get paid more money. They want more scoring, more, more dribbling, more, all the everything. This is the challenge the coaches, the coaching staff has, management has. What, what, uh, what RJ needs to understand is he's never going to be LeBron. Um, he, he might get to be Chris Middleton. He's got to be a much better shot maker, but he's a big, strong, he powerful, is. big, strong, powerful wing. Not as tall as Chris, maybe, mm-hmm. but close. Maybe he's as tall. Um, and so they've got to, I mean, Chris Middleton plays with Giannis. <laughs> Two-time MVP and champion, finals MVP. It worked out just fine. It's not like Drew Holiday never has the ball in his hands. You know, a lot of guys complained. It's 48 minutes is forever. I think we should play 40-minute games. That's how long 48 is. There's plenty of opportunities for everybody. The challenge always is, what are you doing when you're guarded? Are you still trying to create a shot for yourself? Are you still shooting it? That's a problem. It's going to show well, up but- in the metrics. No one's getting rich with good shots on, on, I'm a lot of makes on good. Of course you're right. But not every two players can play together. Right. Like, um, you know, when, um, oh my gosh, I'm so old. Who's the player who had to leave the warriors when Steph got there? Um, Oh, Monte Monte Ellis, Ellis. right? Like you're not really going to have Steph Monte Ellis, both living their best lives side by side. Right. You're just not. Well, but but that was more of a defensive challenge than anything. There's no reason why they couldn't have both played together. Your, your point is great, but, but it's only on paper. Is is it possible? In reality, that's e- where ego yeah. comes in, right? That's where, or or whatever it is, not just mm-hmm. ego. That's and Monte and Steph wouldn't fit defensively, and possibly also Monte just I, I, maybe just didn't like that he wasn't going to be the man anymore. That's why I said Chris Middleton for RJ. So did, like okay, you're not so going RJ's, to be the RJ's okay, but experiment. what? Well, I mean, Emmanuel quickly is not going to start, right? Like for Probably the Knicks, not. as long as Jalen Munson's there, right? No, because yeah. the two this is what I'm guys. saying. Be, That's be exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. my point. Yeah. Somebody's got to yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> but, but who can't, but see, to me, I, I, yeah, you're right. That's what you've got to sell it on. Like, we need a six man, and you can make a whole bunch of money yeah. at six man for now. That's obviously now. what they're selling. And if you don't like it, we can always sure everyone's always buying that. <laughs> no, that's where Manu, Manu is such yeah. a great example. I use it all the time. Like he just, he, he accepted yeah. it and, uh, yo, Bobby Jackson accepted it, but he probably didn't have a choice. Yeah. 
because you didn't. Bobby Jackson made that position. He was the combo mm-hmm. guard off the bench that was explosive. Yeah. I was a huge fan of his out of Minnesota. I watched him actually when he was in college. Manu was good enough to be your your best player. That's how good Manu was. But he did it, and it worked out great. And it's hard to get guys. Yeah, man, to do. a lot of Vinny Microwave Johnsons out there. You know, it's just not not no. what it is. But Tyler Hero just got paid. Oh my god! Right, Jordan Poole is about to maybe maybe well, about to get let's, paid. Let, let's we'll get to that. that right now. You can since make you mentioned it. Yeah. yeah so yeah. The, the talk is okay. So those of you who don't know, a little dust up happened at Warriors practice yesterday. Draymond got a little physical with Jordan Poole. Now, to be fair, everyone has played competitive sports on this podcast. You've been in a locker room. Shit happens. That happens all the time. Like you fight with your. You know, it's just whatever. Like a lot of testosterone flowing around. Dudes get annoyed. Whatever. What on this I podcast, thought, we beat each other up all the time. <laughs> all the time. What I thought was interesting was Shams and Chris Haynes both said this in their in their reports. The feeling around the Warriors were Jordan Poole was getting a little too cocky talking about how he's going to get paid. And it's like, oh, I mean, you know, Jordan Poole's what, 24? I mean, you know, what were we like when we were 24? We're about to, I mean. I don't know about the making hundreds of millions of dollars part. Dumb as fuck. I don't know about that piece of it, but yeah, Bro- <laughs> yeah broke, right, right. dumb as fuck. I was broken, dumb. So <laughs> if I had that, I'd be rich and dumb. Same thing, right? Okay, fine. Um, so maybe Draymond thought my time to police this dude, and they've had apparently dust up some more in the past. Guys, big deal. Whatever it happens, or did you hear what? Did you hear what allegedly? They no. Said, I, what's, what's what's this piece? Allegedly, Jordan Poole has been talking about he's going to, when he gets yeah. his extension signed, he's going to build a big pool. It's going to be called the Jordan Pool. <laughs> no, you know, pun intended, because it's going to be the GOAT. And he kept talking about it and talking about it and talking about oh, it. Oh, people hate dad and jokes. And, uh, you know, Draymond, <laughs> right? Dray, Dray, well, people, Draymond. That. Draymond's like, enough of this joke. And Jordan Poole said, well, then. You're not gonna be invited to the Jordan like, Pool. I don't give a shit. <laughs> and that's oh, and that's oh, when he like throws so punches. We'll, we'll yeah. punch to the face. Oh, and it's funny, you know, Clay said this. Is the pool were... party invitation yeah. issue? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Clay, yeah. Clay, Clay party, said this when they yeah. were in Japan. Him and Steph uh, did a shooting contest versus Pool, and uh, I forget who else. They lost. Pool and his partner lost. And Clay in his post game was like, you know, everybody's joking around. Yeah, you know, we had a humble Jordan Pool a little bit, and I was like, oh, a little something. So I'm thinking Jordan's kind of, he's got a little moxie to him. He's maybe, he's feeling, you know, it's it's fine. Again, those, you'll kind of let that policing happen, right? It kind of takes care of himself. I don't think it's going to fester unless he doesn't get an extension. And then, well, you know, we start getting a little. Who, Poole or Draymond? If Poole doesn't get one. Draymond too. Draymond's asking for a Or if Poole gets one and Draymond doesn't, like. But yeah. Henry's like, that's probably what's going to happen. certain logic to it, given the ages of their yeah. respective players. Well, let, let's, let's, just, let's just get our honesty out here right now. I asked Henry what you would do. He said, I'd be trading Clay and Draymond tomorrow. I mean, listen. It's <laughs> a lot of money got, for old guys. This year and next money. year on, on Clay's left. And Clay's 40-something next year, which is crazy. Draymond's done this year or one more year? He can... I don't know. No, that's, no yeah. I'm, not I'm not John Hollinger. I'm not John Hollinger. Uh, but to, to, I'm with Henry on this. Those two got to go. I, I just, because they're going to command, they're going to want another something paying them in that 35 to 4. I, I yeah. can't do that. Like, you're old. More. Like, I got a, yeah. I got Kaminga. I got Poole. I got Moody. I got Wiseman. Like, I got to see what I have with those guys. Steph's here. That's staying. We, we know that. All good. Got Wiggins. He's staying. See, I think if you stay with Wiggins, Steph, and the young guys, 
I think you'll be fine. I think Looney. you'll be just fine. Um, I mean, I, and, to, and to me, like, yeah. I, you don't have to trade those guys if we have infinite money. But if we're going to start economizing, well, right, then of course. that's where the value is right. going to be, right? We're going to, yeah. we right. just can't afford those guys. I mean, can't. players that age don't play elite level for very long. And it's a quirk of the CBA that they make insane truckloads of money when they're too old to really help your team. So, like, the math is easy, really. Yeah, it, it's easy math. And, you know, Draymond was hurt for a, a, quite a bit last year, right? Because he was leading for DPOI and then went down for a couple of months with that back. Look, if that happens again this year, you know, there's no yeah, guarantees. Gonna, and, you know, and, and remember, he got benched in the finals. So, you yeah. know. Uh, just, for, just for like 30 seconds or whatever. All right. But, you know, yeah. I mean, the point is he ain't trending this way. All right. Well, we have all NBA teams for a reason, and he's not a threat to make one of those teams. Correct. Mm, that's, he was. He was. Yeah. Time. He, yeah, he used to be for sure. He was a plus-minus monster. He's a little yeah. bit. He still is a plus-minus monster. Right? Yeah. Still is. He's a yeah. little, he, you know, he, he probably should have been among the highest-paid players in the league, you know. In, yes. Yeah, years, years ago. ago. And so, that, you know, and, and you know, I, I know that they just go crazy for Clay, right? The way he is behind the scenes and the coachability mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. team effect and blah, blah, blah. Like, and I, yeah. I want to respect all of that. Like, yeah, game six, Clay. So then maybe and, since and he's all that, no he'll take less money then. Just that. Maybe. Or right? maybe if, yeah. like, if you're going to tell me how valuable he is, then maybe, you know, Joe Lake will just freaking figure it out. Right. But no, if we're going to, that's not the way we're talking, right? We're talking that we're going <laughs> to make hard choices. Like, or, then, or, or they do, it's not a restricted free agency, but they could do what Phoenix did with Aiden. We're not sure you're this valuable, but we will match whatever someone yeah. pays you. So you show me an offer. It won't be an official offer sheet, but you show me what you can get. And we're going to go on the honor suit. We'll, we'll match it. Interesting yeah. times in Golden State. Stay tuned. Um, It'll be great, whatever happens. I mean, oh, I mean, look. It's, they, they... Let's, let's get to the uh, let's get to the. <laughs> so I don't want to miss that. Friend of the show, John. John Hollinger, is all in on the Philadelphia 76ers. Tongue in cheek, because you know how Hollinger is. He doesn't, I mean, he's kind of like, you guys can come make fun of me when I'm wrong and Philly sucks in April, which they might. Um, I, look, I said this last week. The juju out of there is, I don't love it. I mean, it's fine. I'm just kind of like, look, I love Doc. I just don't know how much Doc wants to do this. I'm all in coaching and I'm here to like, really, we're trying to win a championship. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I, I don't know. Like, I think Doc's like, oh, I'm going to play some golf today. Eh, guys, no practice. I mean, they had training camp in Charleston, South Carolina for crying out loud. Like, I mean, you know, as much as it was, let's get away so we can focus. Got some nice golf courses down there. Now, I don't know how much golf he played with Hurricane Ian coming through. Probably didn't get much. But I I love Joel. I think he can for sure win MVP. He finished two, second the last two years in a row. Uh, Maxi looks really good. But Maxi also wants to get paid soon, which means he's going to have some own, his own. As David said, right? We, we want you to be the best version of yourself, but we want to try to win a championship. Can Doc temper that? You got Tobias Harris, who makes a ton of money and doesn't quite play to the level that that money that money demands. Um, Cork Maz and a lot of their guys off the bench last year were not great. They don't have the Ben Simmons situation hanging over their heads. So that's all wonderful, all well and good. I mean, they're fine. As long as you have Joel Embiid and James Harden is in shape and doing okay, they should win 50 games. But that's not the question we're asking. It's, are they going to be good enough in April, May, and June? And I just, I don't know. What say you all? I'm out. I, yeah, I, I, no, love, I, no, I mean, I love John Hollinger and I, John Hollinger I mean, is smarter than I am, but I, I think there's no fucking way they win the championship. I really don't. <laughs> I just, I think it's absolutely, I mean, 
I don't, you know, I hate to say this, but like, what are the odds Joel Embiid's healthy for the whole season? Well, right? there's that. And if he's not, then like, that's no chance. Game over, right? So it's not likely that he's going to, you know, he had a, a, an anomalous year for him, for him last year, right? Hope he has 20 more in a row starting Agreed. right now. But this is what we're to consider, right? And then the other thing is just how fit and effective will James Harden be? And it's been a long time since he's been the kind of player that, um, John's projecting he'll be. And I just think it's, you know, even at his very peak, he was freakishly prone to total performance breakdowns in the playoffs. Right. Um, so with that, <laughs> you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and there, there was a, he spent a lot of time in the summer partying on Instagram. I happen to know, cause <laughs> you can see it publicly. Um, it just so throw, like throwing, throwing cakes <laughs> off yachts. <laughs> He didn't have the like sprinting up the sandy dune summer. Pictures, like, he didn't nope, have that didn't summer, those. you know. And he's old now. He's officially old, and he's been dogged by an, a declining ability to move for a couple of years. It doesn't usually bode well. He didn't usually have a renaissance out of that. Um, you know, game here, game there, whatever. But he had really one good game in the playoffs. Um, so anyway, I I feel like this is the most likely team to vastly disappoint. Right, mm. Maxi would be the big exception, right? Like maybe yes. he just saves the day. Maybe he blossoms, and um, you know, Paul Reed too. Paul well, Reed, Scott's got to play Paul. <laughs> All right, that's part know. of the problem. Well, that now we're getting to my get in concern there, beyond what Henry said, which Henry handled it great. Um, so uh, Milwaukee was down two zero to Phoenix, and they decided to absolutely crush the paint and won four straight games. Uh, last year, the Celtics had a strategy of basically, Steph, do whatever you want. We're hoping to w- you wear yourself down. They're up 2-1. Curry went crazy in game four. Won- has scored 43, I think, and tied it at two. Tatum, of course, was tired, but uh, he may change his strategy. Uh, and I don't think it was wise. I think he he, he had a good idea and, ch- and changed it. Um, Ty Lue changes everything all the time. <laughs> There's no one way to do it. Sometimes your best strategy is stick with it. Sometimes you got to move on the fly. I don't have faith in Doc being that guy through 16 or four playoff series and also get Embiid and James to buy into it. That, that's where I, I think everything Henry said is right and everything you said is right, Gerard. Uh, but even if Embiid was healthy and James was great three games out of four, which seems preposterous to imagine, based on what we've seen, they're, the league is still very, very good. And I don't, I'm not picking that coach. Yeah. I'm not picking that coach. Now, if, if they make yeah. a change this year, who, I don't know what they would do to hire, that might change my mind a little bit if those other things were all there. But, um, yeah, I, I was surprised John did that. Uh, they are super yeah, talented. I mean, look, again, sure. I think they'll win a bunch of regular season games as long as, again, because right. – you can't right. not with MB. It's the postseason right? that like, concerns I mean, me. He's going to, but yeah. when it comes time to actually do the thing, you know, not not the postseason concerns me. Adding PJ yeah. helps, corner shooter, tough guy, but uh, I don't trust them in the postseason to figure it out for four seasons. Um, it wouldn't be a, a bringing in or true episode if we didn't talk about things not basketball because you know that's what we do here, um, guys. We're we're fans of democracy here, right? We're we're all we're all in favor of that. Very much so, Drod. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that was a, that voting, was a delay. Like going ah. to the vote, the voting booths, and everything. <laughs> yes, That's good. We, we are big fans of everyone exercising their right to vote. Right now, the Supreme Court is is looking to uphold uh, rulings in states like Alabama that are 
attacking the Voting Rights Act, right? So all these dangerous things. And the midterms are coming up. So we here at True Hoop, we are part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. And with the midterms coming up, it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections. We all know that our government's broken, and we've had enough of the corruption, the gridlock, and the partisanship. But if we work together, we can fix things. We've partnered with Represent Us, a nonpartisan grassroots organization, to give you the tools you need to get involved. Now until November, there are opportunities to join a campaign, to make our elections fair, and even sign up to be a poll worker. If you guys visit represent.us pod to learn more, that's represent.us pod, you can figure out all the interesting things there and do your part to help democracy. Save the world. That's what we're doing, right? We uh, Listen, one step at a time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, friends. It's really hard. Start hungry, I think. <laughs> That's the way you gotta be hungry. Uh, yeah, you got, you got, or else that ain't gonna work. Um, so something serious happening in the world. Um, the National Women's Soccer League um, is conducting an investigation into um, um, allegations of sexual. Um, Just everybody in the whole league being a douchebag is basically right. what they're investigating. <laughs> P- yeah. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> led by uh, the Portland Thorns and their owner. Um, and Portland Thorns is, is one of those teams in the NWSL that's like, was seen as a model franchise, right? They win championships. They they get 20,000 people to show up to their games. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a big thing. It's proof that women's sports can work, right? So the, this guy's being pushed out there and trumpeted as someone who's a champion for women's sports and all these wonderful things. Well, lo and behold, behind the scenes, everything not great, right? Coaches uh, berating players, a culture of... Um, misogyny and just all these horrendous and awful things and henry i i know you want to talk about this but it, there's something to note that when uber wealthy people that own sports franchises constantly get pushed to the forefront as these wonderful people all these amazing things they're doing um your your a light bulb or not even a light bulb a red warning flash should go off in your head like well, why are what's what, what, why this person all of a sudden? Why are we so willing to roll out the red carpet and say how amazing they are? What? Because they gave some money to a art hall? Great. So what? Like, do do some digging. But anyway, Henry, I know you want to talk. Oh, about thank you, John. I am so fired <laughs> up about this. So just a little bit. I mean, there's so much going on here. But um, uh, there was a report uh, by Sally Q. Yates. Mm-hmm. More on her in a second. Um, that came out and it found, um, it was uh, the New York Times' Kevin Draper called it a withering report on abuse in women's soccer. Um, there's, there's, it was released on Monday. There are a bunch of details out there. I'll just read you a couple of favorites. Um, um, Mike Golub, who was the president of the Portland Thorns. Um, Cindy Parlocone, president of U.S. soccer and a former national team player, told investigators that while she was coaching the, coaching the Thorns in 2013, Golub asked her, what's on your bucket list besides sleeping with me? Mm-hmm. That's a nice place to work. Um, mm-hmm. And then that they had a coach uh, there, uh, Paul Riley, who comes up a lot in the report. Um, altogether, the report painted a picture of a coach who crossed every line imaginable, and whose conduct was reported to those in charge. Yet his contract was only terminated after his team missed the playoffs. The Thorns inactively assisted Riley in getting another job with the New York with the Western New York Flash, um, and they talk about you know giving recommendations and all this stuff. Um, and uh, okay, one of the things that really got to me was. Um, uh, Sunil Gulati, I hope I'm saying that name right, uh, the president of U.S. Soccer, demonstrates how the soccer world thought of the thorns. Gulati told investigators that while the surveys contained important feedback, he did not remember reading the comments from thorns players. Why not? 
He suspected, he told investigators, quote, that he overlooked them because he assumed Portland was squared away. So, like, okay, this is the Adam Silver of soccer. Actually, years before this report, had input from the players. They commissioned input from the players. The players said this is not okay here. And he kind of, his story is that he saw the Thorns as, like, generally kind of woke and generally kind of money makers. So they're good. So he doesn't read it. Like, okay, you're fired. Sorry, you won't get to run this league anymore. Like, that is too stupid. Like, more likely, I'm thinking, right? I mean, just, mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. I don't know this sport at all. But I'm just saying that, like, there's a job of making sure it's an okay place to work, which he has. And he didn't do that job, right? We know that for sure. Failed. Even though he had the input. And the story is he just wasn't attentive enough, which I guess is, like, a pretty generic denial, right? Mm-hmm. But what's more likely is this is a money-losing league, and this is a money-making team. Mm-hmm. And this is how the dynamics very often happen in sports, is you kind of get to do whatever you want, right? And uh, uh, Becky Sauerbrunn um, plays for that team, and she's the um, captain of the U.S. national team. And she said you have – she's actually not talking to Snowblood. She's talking to the people who run the Thorns. because you have failed in your stewardship. And it's my opinion that every owner and executive of a U.S. soccer official has repeatedly failed the players – and failed to protect the players who have hidden behind legalities and have not participated fully in these investigations should be gone. And, uh, you know, I think we're finally put in the spotlight on the right place. <laughs> um, that seems hard to argue. And uh, I just will add, okay, Sally Yates is a lawyer who did this report. Former Attorney General. Um, there's a completely effed up thing about sports, which is by and large, when criminal or criminal type or potentially criminal things happen in sports, we don't get them investigated by the FBI they or do the Department of Justice. Or, <laughs> no, you get to handpick a mm-hmm. law firm. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck is that the system? It's completely crackers. Like Adam Silver gets to pick who will investigate uh, Robert Sarver. Why would, like, and Robert Sarver maybe has committed crimes. Like there, there are women who work at the Suns who have been very badly treated, right? Like, mm-hmm. and all of officialdom is like, all, everyone who gets a taxpayer salary is like, no, that's nothing to do with us. Adam Silver gets to pick. Anyway, and so I'm telling you, at one point, uh, I had a rented office down the street from here, and I had printed out on top of this file cabinet internal investigations from, like, every league. You know, tennis, soccer, match fixing, this, blah, blah, blah. All the investigations are from these ritzy law firms. Mm-hmm. And they all find something that makes it so it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. It's a, pretty much 100% how it goes. This one, though... I don't know who made the giant mistake of hiring the most honest broker <laughs> in the goddamn world, right? Yeah, Kelly <laughs> Yates was assistant U.S. attorney when Trump first came in. She was. I want to I want president, her president to be too. clear. I want her. I want to read president. those yeah, articles from back when she was in the news a lot. Like she's a fucking yeah. hero. She's yeah. worked for Democrats fucking and Republicans, amazing. but she's mostly just like yeah. the straightest arrow in the world, right? And yeah. um, she did an honest job here, right? Like she's they the the. the the game shock. where you hire a silk sucking law firm and they tell you what you want to hear. Like she didn't play that game. Mm. And, uh, and mwah, that's beautiful. She's the same person. <laughs> yeah. who, uh, you know, a few days into her administration, she's like, Mike Flynn might be compromised by Russia. And on, you know, and, yeah. and he may have lied to the vice president or whatever. And uh, Trump immediately just fired her. But like, boy, that proved to be kind of prescient. Right. And she also, <laughs> I, I think she actually got fired for a different reason, which was the travel ban. Um, she it came across her desk and yes. she was like, I don't think this is legal because it contradicts this other existing law. Totally correct. Like, mm-hmm. anyway, so to me, this is, and I think she's 
a registered Republican and is getting involved. Anyway, but like she's a moderate in any case. She's also worked for Democrat. But um, right. But my point is like, if we're looking for people who follow the law and execute the law and care about you know the way things are supposed to be done, like this is a very rare example of an investigation coming right. into sports and actually turning up like stuff that matters. You know, we 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 say it all the time, right? Like. The reason why Scadden, Latham Watkins, Kirkland Ellis, and all these white shoe law firms that are humongous get hired, you just do a little bit of digging, right? The connections between who runs the leagues and the people at the tops of those law firms are very easy to find. And to Henry's point, they uncover the thing so that, oh, look, it makes flashy headlines. But they don't uncover the real thing, which is what they don't want to happen, right? Adam Silver, Roger Goodell, whoever, all these guys who run these leagues, they know where the skeletons are buried and there are other skeletons they don't know where they are that they don't want to come out. So there's a, that's why they hire those people to do it. Sally Yates, you get her, FBI, he, oh, they're going to find the stuff you don't want to come out. And, you know, it's just, it's all bad. We got to protect the billionaire owners. That is Adam's job. That's Roger's job. That's, that is the job of every commissioner. You work for those dudes that run and own the teams and women, we got to protect them at all costs. That is your number one responsibility and job. And well, you know, when you that, when when that's the case, you get these sham investigations. You know, and these law firms, these same firms, have a revolving door with the Department of Justice and other positions in government, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I don't know if that's how it works, or you know, now that dark money kind of gets to go wherever it wants to go. But like, you know, you could have like literally like an oligarch close to Vladimir Putin could be your client, and it's like mm -hmm. Jones Day. They absolutely have. Yep clients like that right so you could you could and that's an attorney client privilege so they could basically pay you an infinite amount for god knows what and then you could have someone who's at that firm like don mcgann go be white house general counsel right like and like is it on the up and up probably maybe but would we know if it wasn't we'd have no visibility into that no, right zero right and uh meanwhile like deckert is a firm that's kind of mm -hmm. aspiring to reach this level right they get high they hire andrew lavander the head of the whole firm does the report into like, hmm, why did uh, the Apollo founder, Leon Black, fund Jeffrey Epstein? He writes a report that like every single media account of this is like, that's wrong. <laughs> like, you know, like that's not, that doesn't make sense. And like, so, so Leon Black funds Jeffrey Epstein's known criminal operation. He wrote the checks, right? <laughs> and he's not in trouble with anybody. Nobody. Nobody. Like I, so I want Sally Yates to tell us about that. <laughs> like, like go, go sniff around there. Like I would just basically say, like I am worried as an NBA fan, right? As mm -hmm. someone who cares about this league, like are we? Like just as just as NWSL fans were worried about the atmosphere around their team, like I'm worried about the atmosphere around these teams, right? Yeah, like for sure, how are we doing? Can someone who actually gives a shit about the truth go sniff around and do these interviews and tell me what's up there? Henry. I'm not holding my breath for that drop. Come on. <laughs> we're not. This is, listen, we're nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Okay. See Here's here. this brand new app that we got done by Microsoft. Isn't it cool, guys? Ooh, Check it out. <laughs> 4K. 5K, 7K. <laughs> um, so the league, of course, we know is going to expand to um, Las Vegas and Seattle, most likely, very soon. Uh, LeBron. I don't know if you guys saw this, is really pushing hard. I want to own the team in Las Vegas. Look, I don't know if he is or he isn't. Um, it'll certainly be good PR for the league if he does, right? Like, oh, look, we have a black owner, blah, blah, blah whatever. But I'm watching the other team. Well, who's getting that other one? Because LeBron can't get two teams. 
So if he does get one, where's the money coming from for the other person to get that team? I mean, I have a fairly good idea, right? We're doing some games over in the in the UAE next 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 week. So you know, well, also where's LeBron right, money coming from right, right now? He doesn't have well, four billion. That's right? true. Yes, like, yes, he doesn't yeah. have four billion. Correct. Where's the rest of the LeBron money yeah. coming from? Which is very interesting, right? I bet he knows the answer to that question, and I think we should know that answer. But we should, yeah. Isn't it? Isn't the game isn't the, today? The one anyway, it might Abu be today. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, it's today. Bucks. Yeah, Bucks. <laughs> Henry, it's about the globalization of the game. We want to bring our game across all shores. That's... Mm. It's not in Tajikistan, though, is it? You know. It's not in Kachin. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's definitely not. It, it's, uh, nope, it, it's where all the money is. That's mm. where we. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Where the conference they gave a whole bunch of money to Apollo Global, which gave a whole bunch of money to Leon Black, gave a whole bunch of money to Jeffrey Epstein, allegedly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys, you know we, we we make we make light of this stuff, but like you know it's it's real and it's and, and, and there is it's it. serious, yeah. right? Like. You have these small yeah. percentage of people in the world who literally control like what we do, right? Like because of what they can do. And that's problematic for all of us. So we talked about democracy and the important, this stuff is important that we know what's going on. And, you know, we get some, some clear insight into what things are happening, especially around a sport and a league that we care about and like so much. Activate Sally Yates. <laughs> we like to see it happen. <laughs> Yes, please. All right, folks. Send in the asset. <laughs> Everybody have a yeah, send in the Kraken. <laughs> Everybody have a good weekend. Uh, enjoy preseason basketball. We'll be back next week. Take care.